You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 57, David Coverdale, Northwinds, and coming to you from the sanitized suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island, it's John Matola. Now, was that was that hand washing, sanitizing, or both? Um, take it as you will. I like to. This is the this is the noise that I think of when you're sanitizing your hands as you squirt the stuff in, and then you're like, "It works." I'm sure you get so, the, the backs of yeah. the hands, backs yep, of the hands, nails, the wrists, don't, nails. Don't forget your thumbs. Nope. You know, I, I'm going to be running out of these pretty soon. So hopefully, we'll be back to Rhode Island facts and and things like that uh, very soon. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> Any any yeah, sort of too. normalcy. Well, hopefully by the time this episode airs, things will be somewhat getting back to normal. But as we record, we're still in the midst of it. So no, people will be like, sanitize your hands. Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> we could just be disgusting. <laughs> oh. Oh, man. So if you want to help support our show, there's a few ways you can do it. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. Leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Why don't you? We haven't got one in a little bit. We'd love to read it. And you can also subscribe on YouTube. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And all that information is at deeppurplepodcast.com. And if you want to help support the show, get more episodes, become a patron on Patreon for as little as one measly dollar a month. That's 25 cents a week. I feel like we should have Sally Struthers come in for this one. For the price of a <laughs> cup of coffee. Wasn't that she used to say? The price of a cup of coffee? Oh, man, that really shows our age when we're like, remember that Sally Struthers commercial? Like, well, actually, yeah, I mean, I think anybody like uh, most people listening to the show would be like, yeah, I know what they're talking about. Anybody half our I, age will be like, who's Sally Struthers? I would I would think so. But I mean, the the fact remains, yeah, I think she did. Listen, yeah. if you're if you're getting some value for the show, give us some value back, help support the show. We it helps us, uh, you know, get new material, new albums to review, equipment when needed. Luckily, don't need any right now. Saving up for a new computer because my computer, who knows when it's going to die. Um, oh, boy. But Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, that would be bad. I'll have to take mine, a little hiatus. Mine's probably more likely than yours <laughs> because I have a pretty uh, budget setup compared to you. Well, that's a, sure. you've, got, you've got everything you need. Mm-hmm. So for that little bit of money, you could help support the show. Think of what you spend on the well, what, what are you spending on it now? You're in quarantine. You're saving all that money on fast food on your coffees and all that sort of stuff. So just throw us a dollar. That's all we ask. And you can make yeah. up a silly name if you have a dollar. So speaking of our patrons, we have our wonderful patrons at the turn it up to eleven dollar tier. Ryan M at the ten dollar super trooper tier. We've got Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWorldsOfStage.net. That's right. We're changing names up for the tiers, finally. Yep. At the $5 Moneylender tier, we've got Clay Wambacher, Greg Sealby, Frank Tealgard mortensen and, of course, Mike Knowles. And at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we've got Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, 
Mark Roback, and Anton Glaving. And, of course, as already mentioned, the $1 made-up name tier, Elle's Murders, Spacey Noodles, The Frightening Leaky Mausoleum, and Michael Vader. That's right. <laughs> it's uncanny. <laughs> And also, if you if you hey, if you're like, hey, I don't know about this pa- Patreon stuff, these 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 new these newfangled things like Patreon. I'm I'm an old school PayPal guy. Well, you know what? Mm. We got a button on our website. You can donate. Give us a one time donation or a recurring donation for PayPal if that's your uh, poison. Um, and there's a there's a there's a tier above the eleven dollar tier uh, that has uh, not been unlocked. So we're just we're mentioning it for the first time. If somebody comes in over the $11 tier, we're going to unlock a new tier. So this is, this is what huge. What could it be called? What could it be called? We don't yeah, know. New, uh, yeah, it could be anything. Um, yeah, so we're you know, making some little tweaks to the show. Uh, beautiful new logo, uh, renaming some of the tiers. Um, more special guests. Who knows what else? Oh, there's all sorts of crazy stuff coming up. So, um, all sorts of crazy stuff. Same old us, though. That's unfortunate. Yeah, sorry about that. that. Yeah. No, Our no apologies. amount of Patreon money can fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of us could be replaced at a certain part at a certain price. Hmm. Well, right. I'm <laughs> well, it was nice knowing you. I got. See you later. Well, it'll be just you and Coverdale doing the show now. <laughs> You just need. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd hate that. We'd need somebody big to bankroll that, but you could get me off the show if you tried hard enough. All right. So also thanks to our brothers at the Deep Dive Podcast Network, Ride Sabbath Bloody Podcast, The Simple Man at Skinner Reconsidered, and of course Terry T Bone Mathley, the Chairman at T Bone's Prime Cuts, and then of course the patron saint and archivist of the Deep Purple Podcast, Mister Yorg Planer. We thank you for your continued support and guidance through these difficult times. Well, before we get started, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but oh, oh, my stomach's rumbling. I'm starting to feel a little hungry. So I, I, maybe, I don't know, hopefully our sponsor this week will be able to offer something that can fix that for us. There's something so cool about a place like this. Something so tasty you don't want to miss. It's something so special ordinary won't do. Lunch at Lone Star. How about you? That's right. Lone Star. A, um... A, a food restaurant, I believe. <laughs> you know? I think, isn't it Lone Star Steakhouse? Um, Is that it? Yeah, maybe they sh- maybe they shortened it because they wanted it to be kind of like more poppy. Oh yeah, now that I look at the logo, I recognize it. Um, Is it? I think there was one up in like in Waltham, Massa- That's well, Massachusetts kind of, for you folks yeah, well, out there. But uh, <laughs> what kind of restaurant is it though? Yeah, it's a steakhouse. You're right, Lone Star Steakhouse and Saloon. Lone Star or Longhorn? Long Star. Uh, Lone Star. <laughs> long Star. <laughs> That's a long star. Wait a minute. No, is it, is it Lone No, it's not. Uh, is it Longhorn? I thought Lone Star was that guy from uh, from Spaceballs. Well, well he's, he is, but that's... <laughs> Lone Star. This is a different um, a, d- a different Lone Star. <laughs> that would be great it's if it was Lone a... Lone Star. In his sidekick, Puke. It would be great if it was this. <laughs> it was a Lone Star from Spaceballs-themed <laughs> restaurant. Oh! Far. it went Not out in of, here. This is a Mercedes. It says... <laughs> <laughs> number of locations, zero. It's now defunct. Oh, yeah, I knew that. As of 2017, so fairly recently. Founded in 1989, 
Winston Salem, North Carolina. Hmm. Eighty nine, really? Yeah. Wow, that's um, it's actually pretty recent. That, that boy, that place didn't last long. They went public in nineteen ninety two with eight restaurants. Wow. It had, the headquarters was in Guam. <laughs> it must have been a tax. It must have been a tax thing. <laughs> I, know. I don't think I ever ate there. Of all the kind of no, no shit places that I ate at when I was younger. <laughs> like I mean, I mean just to just to get off on that tangent for for a minute. It's just like, do you even like? Oh, well, I mean, I know you have kids, so I don't know if you. Yeah, you know, if you go to any of these chain places still, or do you? Not anymore. <laughs> Some of them. We usually I mean, when they were open. We you know mostly I mean. go to like um, we've been a, we mostly go to like kind of local institutions, like mm. not necessarily a, a huge quality reach from where something like this would be, but more like oh, they have a few operations in our area, you know. But. Right, right. But I mean, uh, like, uh, you remember when we were younger, we would always like, um, well, I mean, when we were all hanging out and everything, we would go to, <laughs> go to like Burger King all the time. Ugh. It's like terrible Burger King, KFC, like uh, some of the other like, like uh, Applebee's and like all that kind of stuff. I went to an Applebee's recently. It was awful. Mm, yeah, it's been a while for me. Like when I went to, well, I mean, I was like, um, we were going to the, the, uh, the, the Kiss show in Manchester in, uh, Way back in February when things were normal. <laughs> it must and, have been, it um, might as well have been 10 years ago. Might, yeah, I know, right? I feel like I'm talking about like 10 years ago. And, um, you know, I'm like looking looking on my phone for like, you know, some local place to like, you know, get some lunch and a drink. And my friend was just like, oh, this is like an Applebee's like right near the hotel. Why don't we just go there? It's, it's like it's familiar, <laughs> you know, that kind of and thing. Apparently, like, apparently you didn't have an answer for that question. <laughs> no. So I'm like, Meh, all right, why not? I mean, it's like, you know, we're. You know, we're not going to eat heavy anyway. We'll get some appetizers. How bad could it be? It was not good. No. Like, well, first of all, we walked into the place and it's like, you know, and this, um, I guess um, 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 Manchester is like not really a big city. So we walked in with like our our kiss T-shirts on, our leather jackets and everything. And people like reacted like we were kissed. They're like, ah, they're going <laughs> to the concert. Ah, you know, they were like flipping you're, out. You're famous because you're going to the kiss concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, up there anyways, you know, because it was all the, you know, people hanging around the bar and everything. And it was, it was like one, two in the afternoon. It was really quiet. And so we, you know, we sat down everything. So we're like freaking celebrities walking in. <laughs> like, all right, hey, how you doing? Um, <laughs> And then we sat down and we got like, you know, of course they had like that drink menu. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, honey, let's get one of those specialty drinks. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awful because oh, it's yeah. going to taste like there's going to be like no alcohol in it, which I was right. And then, you know, we get the appetizer, the sampler platter, which was like just it was terrible. It was mm. it was like the, you know, the, uh, the the mozzarella sticks with like, you know, cheese, which was like, you know, hard as a rock. And mm. like these these chips that had no taste and salsa that had less taste. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, the buffalo wings that were just like, you know, and I'm just like, I, I just kind of like, I was like a little kid pushing the food around with a fork. I'm like, <laughs> here, throw down 20 bucks. It's going to hell out of here. So, yeah. Yeah. They haven't really changed much up in the last 20 or 25 years, which I think is no. probably why they're not doing so well. So Need to change with the point? times. Oh, yeah, that's right. My point was, is like, um, yeah, chain restaurants are terrible, and I'm glad if they go out of business. <laughs> okay. Well, moving support, along. <laughs> support local. Yes. Well, yeah. All right. So um, 
Yeah, we got a, we got a great one today. North Winds, and in, in celebration of North Winds, I've uh, got a beer tonight. North Coast Brewing. Close enough. Pranks. Yeah, I figured yeah, I was like the closest I could do. I don't know why I was I was thinking like, what can I get in my fridge here that's that's thematic? And I figured I'm usually drinking out of the can on the show. So, um, so yeah. yeah, I heard a little twist of the cap there. Yeah, well, no, you heard it. Get like, twist. Come on now. You think I'm gonna drink a twist cap? I had to use this little contraption to get that off. Fine, twist, pop. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> what? Whatever you call this. What's this? Yeah, this is a nice Belgian style oh, ale, which is. Uh, this is my. Uh, I had a Belgian style ale for our year anniversary too, so I'm just really keeping with that Belgian theme. So today we're t- talking about North Winds, and I'm so. In continuing with the Coverdale tradition, there's this. Uh, it's it's a strange album because the album is called North Winds two words, but um, the first track on the album is North Winds one word. So it's um, kind of you know it's a little a little different. Um, Maybe an error at the printer. Well, I think it's like everything. It's like blind men. It's like white snake. It's there's always uh, there's always something. <laughs> who, who knows? It's always something. Something uh Coverdale's always keeping it keeping it interesting. So um so yes, he after he did White Snake, White Snake, he um he went as we talked about before, he didn't tour for like a year because he was under some sort of like contractual thing and he couldn't um he couldn't tour anymore. He could he couldn't tour for like a year. He was under con- contract to Deep Purple still, some legal complicated legal situation. Uh but he did go on it's a very interesting little clip I'm gonna play. He went on this French show called Jukebox Un Sur Cinq, uh where he um how do you like that Ian DeRosier? <laughs> <laughs> um and he did like this kind of like lip synced version, just him on a stage by himself of white snake, basically just lip syncing the, the version from the show, but it's kind of an interesting exchange between him and the host. So I figured what better way to kick off this episode than starting off uh, with this. So let's check this out. Bring up my volume here and here we go. Here's David Coverdale on doing white snake and talking to the host first, which is the funny part. Suite de l'émission, comme dit Patrice, mais aussi suite des variétés. Cet après-midi, c'est un jukebox. Un jukebox qui continue toujours avec les Deep Purple. Et là, un ex-Deep Purple. Un jukebox alive, comme on dit en anglais, parce qu'il va falloir que je fasse des efforts encore en anglais. C'est-à-dire en direct avec David Coverdale, qui était le chanteur de Deep Purple. Uh, you leave the group uh, last year. Yes, I left in March in 76. Il a quitté le groupe de Deep Purple l'année dernière. And now we can speak about uh, you when you are in the group. You were the singer, mm-hmm. tu étais le chanteur. What uh, was uh, your best hits with uh, Deep Purple? <laughs> Quelles étaient les... Best hits? Oui, les grandes chansons du groupe. Oh, hits. Yeah. Uh, hits. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, um, Burn, Stormbringer, Come Taste the Band, Made in Europe. 
Made in Europe. Yeah. And Mark 1 and 2 also. Um, well, Mark 1 et 2, qui étaient des, know, disques, uh, des yeah. disques fameux des Deep Purple. And now, you discover <laughs> you are alone. You try to sing alone. Mm. To chant try. seul. I've got the musicians for a group, but because of contracts and things, I can't really say which musicians they are. Et il, est, il cherche donc des musiciens, et ce musicien, euh, donc il est en train de signer un contrat avec. Euh, yeah. Dis-moi, euh, tu habites en Allemagne, you live in Germany now. I live in Bavaria. Yeah. Bavaria, en Bavière. Et cet après-midi, eh bien pour nous, je vous l'ai dit, live, comme dans les grands shows américains, eh bien il va chanter un extrait de son album White Snake. Et cet extrait, eh bien c'est le titre même de l'album White Snake, serpent blanc. I love that he says eats. Oh, hits. <laughs> he's already working the boom mic. Yeah, he's, work, he's work, even by himself <laughs> on the stage. It's not like it's it's not like the world's greatest lip syncing <laughs> job. No. It's, it's really weird. Um, yeah, so he he goes on the show and does I this kind of funny, weird, awkward interview. <laughs> and just he's standing on this stage that's like a yellow platform and all these other colored platforms and there's these pictures of faces on the back wall of presumably other musicians. I just like the uh, I like the the kind of the the way that he's the the host is trying to translate into English. He's like, so you're trying to sing alone, and Coverdale's like, well, I, I have other musicians. <laughs> he's like, he says you're you're trying to sing alone. He's like, trying. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, the kind of. It was really it, it was really an awkward interview. Uh, was, I think mostly because of the language barrier, and uh, Coverdale seemed very like. I don't know. He yeah, seemed like, like disin he... disinterested or annoyed or something. Who knows if he was? I mean, or he was being his normal, like he was charming Coverdale self, but he seemed like over yeah. it. Or like his his agent has said, David, you got to do the show, baby. It's going to be great. And he was like, all right, I'll I'll go do it. And lip sync on stage. <laughs> oh, yeah, that mm. it was still interesting, though. It was still cool to see it. But um, so this is what I he's really this is what he's doing in that time that he's uh in between in between jobs or whatever whatever it is before I can finally go out so ten, 10 months after white snake was released north winds comes out um there had been no tour to support white snake at all um because he was still under contract to deep purple um and this album north winds and white snake come out on purple records so he's still kind of attached to this to this entity and in Martin Popoff's book sail away uh, Coverdale says about the whole purple records thing he goes yes another scam it's funny when I joined purple I was going oh my god telling my friends they've got their own record company but it was just a scam by the management they would go get the advance and they would take a hefty percentage and then he goes on to complain a little bit more about the record company so uh, he's he says that um uh Basically, 
the the management got more and the band got less so he ended up they ended up uh, like it like basically because Deep Purple was or, or Purple Records was managing them and they own their own record label. That meant there was just kind of this intermediary taking a bunch of the money. Whereas if they had been just on Warner Brothers or EMI or something, there would have been this direct they would have gotten directly the money that they were getting or they would have gotten a higher percentage. So he said it's kind of all flash the fact that uh that they had their own record label. Sounded cool, but in practice it ended up meaning they were getting screwed. So some interesting things about this this album. Um, there's not a ton out there on it um, in in the li- liner notes. There's a bunch of contradicting information, but um, in Popoff's book, he mentions that uh, Ronnie and Wendy Dio do backing vocals on Keep Keep on Giving Me Loving. Um, but Wikipedia says, and it's confirmed by Neil Pretty's book, that it's Give Me Kindness. That um, D- Ronnie Dio, Wendy Dio, and in addition, John Lord's wife Judy all did backing vocals on this. Well, that makes sense because there's like um, like um, really a uh, like um, not a gang vocal, but what do you call it? Just like a big like background vocal, like a bunch of people on that song. There isn't on the other song. Yeah, yeah, and that might have just been. I find there's also some confusion too because um. The original, so I don't know, I don't think I have it in my notes here, but when I was reading about it, basically the album came out, or maybe it is in my notes. Um, the, no, I don't have it, but I know the originally Keep on Giving Me Love was the, the opener. I'm sorry, North Winds was the opener in the original release. And then after like the third pressing or something, they switched it so that, uh, so that keep on giving me love came uh, first and North winds came second. So we're going to listen to, as we always do the, the traditional original release version with North winds as the first track. Um, okay. Because that's, we like to keep it original. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the lead up to the album, the album art um, you've got here kind of this, so these are apparently is the 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 Morelands, and it's just like this kind of dark night. These these it's kind of just basically a a swamp in the front in the front ground, and then in the background are some trees, um, and there's p- pictures of of David Coverdale kind of scattered throughout the swamp <laughs> it's a very weird this this album cover has always struck me as being kind of both weird and not very good mm-hmm. like it doesn't when you like the first white snake cover was great it's a big white snake you get david coverdale's head it's very prominent this one it just looks very dull mm-hmm. i don't I mean, when you when you talk about it that way, it's like, yeah, I mean, when you break it down and you're like, yeah, there's a swamp and there are pictures of Coverdale scattered (laughs) across the swamp, then you're like, okay, that's yeah, it's pretty stupid. But um, I don't know. I never really minded this album cover. I was just kind of like, all right, it's like his second solo album cover, you know next like i never really gave it any thought i always thought that the the background the trees and everything and the the picture of him just kind of laying on the front it was a very kind of mellow type mood Mm -hmm. because i feel like this album as a whole was kind of more 
little bit more mellow, maybe because the the song, the title track, um, kind of exemplified that for me. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it was just kind of one of these '70s album covers that I was like kind of neutral about. Yeah. Um, but now, like I said, now that you kind of broke it down, it does seem kind of like a ridiculous concept. Right. And as we've talked about before, and it's back there in my stack somewhere, I should probably grab it someday. But I, I had originally gotten this on CD when they released both albums on one CD. Mm-hmm. And musically, they're they're very, you know, compatible, the two albums. It's this natural mm-hmm. progression from one to the other. It's not like when they crammed elements and mask onto one cd when you're like what the hell has just happened um well when i first got this one it was white snake and this one were both on the same it was like a, a coverdale solo albums like right. double yep. cd thing right well it wasn't even and, double cd it was all just on the one cd right and that's why for a while i didn't know which album was which right exactly yeah i'd just be like because i know they they're all ran- from that collection yeah Right. They all ran together. It's like White Snake and North Winds were all like it was like tracks one through 20 or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I guess I have to figure out which one's on which one. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really knew where the break was, although I, I figured when the song North Winds came in, we were probably into the album North Winds. That's, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but I didn't so know for, for sure where it started. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're very they're very like uh, very similar and um, in in kind of musical style, like production, whatever. But uh, I mean, back at that point kind of like the elements and masks CD, I guess. Like I didn't really care. I just knew, Oh good. I get to hear Coverdale solo albums. I didn't care how I got them. Yeah, totally. But so. I think one thing I, I didn't like about this. So, so originally what I read was that this album was released. Um, the original cover. So this cover was designed by Peter Shepard who did a bunch of covers for, Isaac Hayes, Cliff Richard, Sheena Easton. The photography was by Peter Lavery, who did album work for Pat Travers, Christopher Cross, and a bunch of others, and also some photography by Tom Schmidt, who this is the only credit he has on Discogs. Um, So originally, the original album came out, and it was super dark. So this is the one, this is how I remember the album cover looking, like this, like very, very dark, Hard to make out. Mm-hmm. Almost looks like the Elements album cover where it's just like, although they were kind of going for that on that album cover. Uh, yeah. Whereas this one was just like, I remember seeing it a bunch without even really realizing what the hell was going on. And then I, I didn't even realize there were those extra pictures of David Coverdale in the background. I thought it was just that one lying on the in the swamp there. <laughs> Um, which is just actually today today's the first time that I that you pointed it out that I noticed there was more pictures of him around. I only saw that prominent first one in the foreground yeah so if i go back to the um ori- the uh, the cleaned up version so i think coverdale was unhappy with the album cover when it came out and he made them redo it for the second printing and then this is mu- obviously much easier to see but yeah there's the first one in the foreground there's one behind it there's another one behind that and then it, possibly a fourth one there and that might even be a fifth one way there in the background but it's very hard to make out um and they're different like headshots it's it looks like the the the, the shot that Coverdale would sign and send to fans or something. Um, well, yeah. So you figure like was Coverdale on his way to an autograph signing and he was trudging through a swamp and he just dropped a bunch of his headshots <laughs> on, his way, on his way to the record store. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm going to be late for this meeting. And he's like, you know, he's all he's all disheveled. I'll take a, I'll take a shortcut through this swamp so I can get to Tower Records on time. 
much. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be late, but luckily I know a shortcut. I know a shortcut through this bog. I always kind of thought of it like my initial reaction when I saw this was that uh, this is some woman that he's done wrong or that's upset or that he used to. And she took his pictures and threw them in the swamp, just like in a big, usually had a big stack of them. Like, ah, to hell with that guy. And then probably ran after them afterward. No, Coverdale went collected them and dried them off. I mean, that could be it. But then what does any of this have to do with North Wind? (laughs) I don't know. It wasn't a well thought out theory. That was just kind of my initial. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Um, So, oh, yeah. So here it is. So, yeah, Coverdale um, also on the third pressing. Uh, uh, as well as getting this lightened up so it looked a little bit better, that's where he said, no, I want uh, Keep On Giving Me Love to be the opener and North Winds to come in second on the, on the album. And that's the order that I'm used to. That's the order I'm used to too, but we're going to listen to it in the original order that David Coverdale doesn't like. <laughs> yes, sir. Because that's the way we do it. Um, yes, sir. Also on the <laughs> on the um, inside, you've got the little sleeve that the record comes in. You've got a, the song North Winds with the lyrics and a, like a kind of I don't know, like very high contrast out. image of Coverdale, almost looking ghost like. And the flip side of the of the uh, sleeve, you've got mm. the lyrics to all the other songs. I mean, I think that that if you look at the the inside, that kind of uh, like you said, the high contrast washed out picture of Coverdale. Yep. that probably would have made a better. That would have cover <laughs> totally, and it could have just said North Winds in the corner with his face, and that would have been like exactly that would have been a way better album cover. Yeah, they could have ditched that whole bog concept. <laughs> bog. <laughs> I like the term bog concept. <laughs> bog swamp. Whatever you, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Maybe there were a bunch of songs about bogs that got, ended up getting uh, erased from the album. Yeah, Coverdale's little-known uh, bog period of songwriting. His, his bog concept album. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, then you got the record there itself with the songs on them. Most of the songs are written by Coverdale solo, with some of them uh, co-written by Moody. With uh, actually just two of them, I believe. There's the back album mm-hmm. cover. Um, yep. <laughs> a different view. great picture of the bog. I yep. always kind of feel like 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 this is like looking behind. If you were looking in the front and you saw the pictures of Coverdale, you turn around and then this is the bog with no. It would have been cool if there were more pictures of Coverdale kind of trailing out the, across that that bog land. Or you know, to go along with your concept, just a maybe a picture of like a of a woman like walking away, just like with her oh, hand yeah. up like this and a bunch of his pictures like in the air. That actually, that would have been really cool. But for that concept to have worked then the picture of covered or the pictures of Coverdale on the front would have to be like ripped. Yeah, half. that would be cool. Actually, if it was ripped, but you could still really easily make out that it was Coverdale. Actually, this whole concept probably would have worked better if it was like not in like uh, like a bog, but maybe like <laughs> on the on just street a, or on the yeah. street, <laughs> anywhere but, but a swamp. Like, <laughs> but then, then, but then the album couldn't have been called North Winds because that would have made even less sense. Yeah, yeah it would have been. Yeah, I mean, so we're we're just rewriting history here on the Deep Purple podcast. But I mean, it could have been. He could have called the album. He could have named the album after any other track: Queen of Hearts, Only My Soul, Say You Love Me. I mean, 
with, maybe saves without even down. thinking about what those songs are actually about. Like I'm just saying like some of those would have made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. If they gave it enough thought, yeah, that could have been, uh, that could have been cool. But uh, yeah, either way, uh, the takeaway from all this weird album cover. <laughs> it's a weird album cover. For weird sure. concept. Weird. Anyway, weird, weird concept, but not a weird <laughs> album. And I think the, mu- oh, no. the music uh, will stand for its for, for itself. So yeah, um, and that's kind of the problem with some of these, the way that the the albums were like released, uh, the covers, the the concept uh, marketed, or in this case, not marketed. I mean, uh, the, you couldn't even tour behind the first album, uh, well, which is probably why it didn't do anything. Well, ob- yeah, obviously that's going to hurt it. Um, yeah, but I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but twenty um, something years ago, I went I went with a friend of mine to go see. Uh, uh, G love and special sauce up in Boston. And she knew knows the band really well. And, um, so we had backstage passes and it was awesome. Like, so we got to hang out with the band before the show, after the show. And, um, I went there in the band, I went uh, to met the band and I was like, super cool to meet them. And the drummer house man, um, he, I, it was the record release for their album, the electric mile. If you know anything about G love and, um, I had it because I had just bought it because they had just released it. And he's like, oh, is that the album? And I, and I was like, yeah. He's like, I haven't seen it yet. Can I see it? And I'm like, oh, my God, the drummer for the band hasn't even seen this yet. And by that point, they'd been around for a while. So, you know, they 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 were used to this whole routine. So he gets it and he's looking through. He's like, what the heck is this? What's this picture? Who is this? Ah, oh, they spelled this wrong. Like, he's just looking through all the He's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny how removed the band can be from that, like, the the, the mm-hmm. cover and the sleeve and everything can be very heavily just kind of a marketing thing where the band's not even really involved in it. And that was really eye opening for me. So I've got this CD signed by the band and my copy of the CD is the first copy that anyone in the band had seen. Like all three of them are like huddled around my copy of the CD being like, what's this? Oh, this is crazy. I can't believe they did that. It's like, <laughs> I, I should find that CD somewhere. That's kind of cool that it's got that backstory. Anyway, uh, this isn't the G Love podcast. This is the Deep Purple podcast. So let's get into it. We got the first track on the album here North Winds. Yeah, it's a little weird listening to this first. Like Coverdale plays all of the um, like pianos and keyboards on this. Yeah. Well, on this track, Tim Hinckley right. is playing piano. Ah, okay. But he does play. Well, I, well, actually, he he and Tim Hinckley are both playing. Tim Hinckley's playing the electric piano. Coverdale the regular piano. I love how this song builds. It's a little weird hearing this as the opener, but I kind of like it as the opener. Yeah, it definitely sets a different tone for the album. 
Tony Newman on drums, Alan Spenner on bass. Who was, um, he was the bass player on uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, right? He absolutely was. Wow, the connections never stop. Nope. And he, he played bass at Woodstock with Joe Cocker. Wow. So my dad has seen Alan Spenner live. Another random uh, Deep Purple podcast host, Dad Facts. <laughs> exactly. And his feet were probably really <laughs> cold that day. Well, probably not. It was very hot from what I heard. And that synth is uh, Roger Glover playing the synth on that. Because he, of course, produced this one as well. Yeah, Glover produced it, right? You just said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bass is really uh, interesting on this whole album. He's playing like it sounds like he's playing some bass chords in some areas, right? Yeah, Alan Spenner is just incredible, and I never really put two and two together that that was him on this album until recently. But let's not forget the man of the hour, Coverdale, who's putting in an amazing vocal performance and wrote an amazing song. Like, it's just like, I always loved this track because it was just so mellow and just such a great, like, I don't know, I guess it's a ballad. Well, it's got that great early Coverdale sound where it's just, it's like a ballad, but it's, ah, it's, it's just the production on it's so incredible and the arrangements of the songs. I, I have a hard time putting my finger on how to describe it, but it's just incredible. Oh, Alan Spenner. Doing that little chromatic thing. Yeah, but it builds, but it doesn't build to like this crazy, crazy crescendo. Right. I think it was easy to, in Deep Purple, kind of just think of Coverdale. Oh, he's a he's a uh, he's a front man. He writes some lyrics and sings some songs. But Coverdale, the the songwriter, is just on fire in the in the late seventies. Yeah, like this song is tremendous. I love it so much. This is the most that I think it builds. Correction. This is the this is the most that it builds. Now he's got the the uh, the soulful singers in the background. Yeah, and those singers are Irene Chandler and Doreen Chandler, known as the Chanter Sisters. Makes sense. 
And they did backup singer work for Manfred Mann, David Byron, Bernie Marsden, and Whitesnake later. Hmm. And there's a third singer, and that's Liza Strike, our old friend from Butterfly Ball, Glenn Hughes, and Whitesnake. Love Coverdale's little vocal things he throws in. Like, mmm. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound as good when we do it. No, Brr. definitely not. <laughs> oh, that was that was uh Northwinds. I think that was a great a great as an album. That's the first time I've listened to it with that song first. I as always kind of yeah, liked too. the um the keep on giving me love and then going into that too, because it it takes you to this different like I don't know. I like it. I like it either way, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's definitely a choice to have that kind of song opening the album. Like you figure like, I don't know, even as a second song, I kind of thought it was unusual. You figure that this song would have been saved to maybe end the first side. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but either way, wherever it's placed on the album, it doesn't take away what a, what a tremendous song it is. Like, I mean, I, I love Coverdale's, mellow stuff as much as his like rock stuff yeah i guess oh, that's yeah. what you call it is like maybe not so much a ballad as is literally just like a mellow like one of his mellow songs i mean i think in this era i like his mellow stuff even better than his rock and stuff like his rock and stuff's good but i think his songwriting is so strong that it's it's showcased on a song like this more than you know just like the song white snake I mean, I don't remember what our rankings are, but I like the song, but I think it's probably my least favorite song on the White Snake album. Because it's, well, very, guess, it's very, it's yeah. very, uh, I don't want to say generic because I, I do, I like it, but it's, it's just, you know, it's just a, it's a rocker. It's, there's nothing like that jumps out about it as being anything crazy other than that fade in, which is a little interesting production <laughs> choice. It's, you know, it's right, a, like there's more, there's more craftsmanship that goes into a song like this. Yeah. Yep. Is I think what it is. So it makes me think of like uh, how would how it started off and then it kind of went to this this uh, kind of plateau or something like Blind Man mm-hmm. or um, mm-hmm. you know another one of those songs, uh, but but different, you know, obviously. Yeah, very anyway, different yeah. from Blind Ma- Blind Man, but very uh, <laughs> but but similar in the arrangement style. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, what are you giving North Winds? Well. I think it's a great opener. I give it a 4.5. Oh, man. Once again, you're on my tip. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. 4.5. Northwinds, great, great opener. Yeah. Great second track as well. All right, next up. Keep on giving me love. Now, this is what I'm used to hearing at the beginning. I like kind of how the guitar playing's kind of sloppy. You can hear him hitting yeah. the strings. It's very down and dirty. Yeah. But then you got this really kind of tight, like, rhythm section coming in, mm-hmm. which I have thoughts on the rhythm section around the chorus, which I will reveal in a few, in a minute. You got this Roger- is like classic Coverdale. Oh, yeah, you got Roger Glover playing the clavinet and the cowbell as well on this track. And Coverdale co-wrote this one with Moody. Nice. 
I always like the groove here with the drums. It's awesome. No, I think right here, is he like hitting a floor tom or something like, like on every other one? You hear it? I just hear the bass drum, but. Now, one of the things that I always noticed about this was the drums kind of like mirror, like when he says, keep on giving me love and like yeah. it goes along with his vocals. I always thought that that stood out as a really cool little piece of the song. Thought that was really cool. That's so. Then he's saying a bunch of stuff in the background. It's got that really interesting harmonica, which I always almost thought was a guitar. That little fade. Yeah. The harmonica like played by Lee Brio, oh. who is the lead vocalist for the band Dr. Feelgood. Oh, interesting little tidbit. And this is like classic Coverdale vocal too. like great performance, great production on his vocals. Great effect. that raw kind of live side where he's just like woo in the background you know oh yeah Coverdale's always good for that throwing in those little flourishes Coverdale's just talking between the verses. You don't even know what he's saying. When it sounds that cool, who cares what he's saying? Exactly. Funny, it's you were burned by holy water and the priest forgot the words he was trying to say. I don't know what that's wow. all about. He gets into it. hard to figure out where the harmonica and the guitar <laughs> are separated yeah yeah that's the thing is like the that part of the song is a little uh a little bit of a muddy production 
but I kind of like it in a cool way. Like to, I like when you hear these like sounds and you you're not sure, yeah, what's what, or you have to listen to it many times and you like always think it's a guitar and then on the twentieth listen you're like, oh wait, that's a harmonica, which should never be just mistaken for a guitar, really. <laughs> Well, and nothing wrong with that either. Um, you know, it, it, muddy, muddy production. I think maybe in the um, saying it in the best possible way. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I like the production on this. I think that it's. Um, I like how everything kind of like the the um, kind of the guitar and the harmonica kind of like are like mushed together a little bit, mm -hmm. almost indistinguishable. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't know either for a while. I'm like, oh, I think that's a harmonica. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, yeah, great track. Well, cool. so what do you think about that one? Um, 4.5 on that one for me, too. I, I love it. All right. I'm going to give it a four. I also love it. Um, Really great track. I, th I liked it as an opener, and I like it as a second track. Okay, next up, we've got, oh, where am I here? Okay, we've got the track number three. We're still on the first side of this LP, Give Me Kindness. You hear a lot of chatter before this track, and there's a lot of people going on on this, yeah. on this song. This is written by Coverdale Solo, and this kind of has a reminds me of like Rosie's Place or something kind of feel. Mm. got this like New Orleans oh that's so good <laughs> I always thought that kind of sounded goofy Murder. I love it like the tr trombone just comes in murder 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 <laughs> hey it's different Coverdale was doing whatever the hell he wanted uh, yeah and I and I can't love it enough. It's like this got this like starts off as kind of like this Coverdale groove and then goes into this like New Orleans. I don't even just kind of like like it sounds like a Dr. John song for the chorus almost. You've got this <laughs> huge chorus of people singing. And I could definitely hear like um, I can believe that Ronnie was part of this. Like it sounds like something that he would be in the background of. Hey, we're gonna have to listen. Interesting if you could pick his voice. We're gonna have to out. listen real carefully and see if we can hear it. There's so many. The female vocals are really up front. 
As they should be. Yeah. You've got... Nice little... Ron Asprey is playing clarinet on this. We've crossed paths with him many times so far. Then you got this like Baptist church revival type thing going on. Like the whole track has definitely this intentional, like uh, very loose spur of the moment type of feeling to it with everybody talking and wooing and yeah, and this part is really good I mean, if you think about it, really like high K, um, um, highlights Coverdale's roots. Yeah, I mean, with the uh, the the uh, the soul singers in the background and been a shock for people who only knew him from Deep Purple to hear this kind of stuff but man is it well, good again it's got to be it's got to be more of a shock for people that go backwards from later White Snake to, to hear that this <laughs> yes, is how we started from, from hearing yeah still of the night being like oh I want to check out some of his early stuff whoa what yeah we were saying this all through the White Snake album too yeah. so I mean that's um but yeah, it's um, it's another it's another great track. It's it's kind of really different for him. I like how he showcases his his roots. So in the liner notes, you've got you've got the this the, kind of the same core group on guitar, bass, piano, drums. Tony Newman, Alan Spenner, Tim Hinckley, and Mickey Moody. Then it, then it says the originals, which I don't know if that's like uh like a. Uh, uh, a band that they were in, but it says the originals featuring Ron Asprey on clarinet, Henry Lothar, uh, Lothar on trumpet and Malcolm Griffith Griffiths on sleaze trombone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I love it. And then mm-hmm. um, it lists uh, Liza strike, Irene Chanter, Doreen Chanter and David Coverdale as all beyond vocals. And then it says the class of 77. And I would assume these are all the background vocals. So it's, it says Ronnie James Dio and lady Wendy, Judy Lord, John, John Lord's wife, Judy Glover and Roger. So they must've been on background vocals. William Fife and lady Jackie. Um, Ian E. Jones, John walls, John punter, John Cody, Jules and Charlie. Jesus. They had like a, ton of people in there when it sounded like it you had it it was such a big sounding but it's funny that there were all those guys on it because it sounded just like i would have guessed it was only female singers 
Yeah, that's that's what it sounded like to me, like for for like, years anyway. Like a whole like women only gospel choir, and they do a exactly. great job. Exactly. All right. So, what do you say about "Give Me Kindness"? Hmm. Um. Four. All right. I'm gonna bring it to a four point five because. I just love the horns. I love those background vocals. And even though you didn't like it, I love the burner. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> like it. I like it, but it's like every time it came in, it's like that. Maybe it's just because I've seen so much slapstick comedy in my life. But that's what it makes me think. <laughs> of. Goes, well, look at how you did it. You went like all goofy and stuff. So, I mean, it's like, of course, it's going to I'm going to laugh. But uh, how could, how could it's, we not? it's good, but it's good. It's good. But it's like, um, it like I always get that 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 first thought when I hear it is just like ah you know like ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've it's funny I just had this this flashback to when we were recording and we recorded one of your songs and I and when you were not around it we went back and overdubbed um uh kazoos on it and then I put a a trombone over it <laughs> I played the trombone do you remember that. Um, and I just remember I, the look I on your face when you heard the playback. You're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> we, we turned into this like really like silly kind of um, interlude almost. But, I, I don't know. I can't. I barely remember to be Remember honest, the, the song was called Word Gets Around. And I don't know how yeah, I, little- I managed to somehow learn how to play it on the trombone. Barely. <laughs> Maybe if I if I heard if I heard it, I would definitely remember. I need to I need I I need to find a sleaze trombone to play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you were you were pretty good at that. It's just like, let's let's do some different stuff and just horrify the shit out of John who just wants guitar, bass and drums. And that's it, because keyboards are wimpy and (laughs) so is everything else. So is anything that's not a guitar, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now that brings us to the end of side one, and that would be the track Time and Again. Now this is a ballad. Yes. You got that like kind of left-right panned kind of whirly sound almost. for all the kind of sexually charged songs that he wrote with White Snake and that everybody remembers him for like uh, nobody really remembers him for this kind of stuff he really wrote some really nice ballads and love songs yep it's, it's a uh, 
completely underappreciated love song. Yeah, like how this wasn't an AM radio hit. If it were promoted back in the day, it would have been. Like, this is just as good as anything else that came out in the late 70s. That was a, a love song. Oh, better. And just the ballsiness of just to do this, just piano and vocals. This is Coverdale playing piano and singing. Mm-hmm. And then Graham Prescott comes in where they call it the electric string thing. He's just holding a note on a synth, basically. These little like kind of synth pads almost. Which is perfect, just bringing that in the, on the halfway through the song to just elevate it a little. Yeah, see, he's building up a little tension here, adding in more. Never really thought this before, but I almost kind of heard like a Stevie Wonder kind of at the end of the song. Like mm -hmm. a Stevie Wonder kind of like vocal styling there. But I, I, can't, I don't think it can be understated how difficult it is to pull off something like that in a song with just piano and vocals. Put it on an album and just have it be a track on the album and and have it carry that kind of weight. I mean, you could tell, too, that, I mean, his his performance, vocal performance was really like a real. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like it could have been done in like one take. Like, you know what I mean? It had <clears throat> yep. that rawness to it. Like there were parts in it where you could tell it was just like he was really like, you know, um, uh, the 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 vocals would like almost sounded like raw, but not like um, not like raw, like his voice was like Horace, but you know what I mean? Well, it did almost, I thought, sound a little bit like he was. Not oh, struggling. Not struggling, but like a little strained, like maybe he'd been singing a lot that day. But I think that brings a lot of character to it. it but yeah, realness. Yeah. yeah, like he's choked up a little bit. And it's something that you you can only hear in this kind of time frame where where people where you would it wouldn't be like this cut and paste job. You would be singing something unique every line 
And mm-hmm. you, it just it give it gives that song that character where where you're he's mixing up the delivery on some of the lines a little bit, and it's just it's so interesting and well done. And I mean, this is, I mean, like all of his vocals, you, you know, he doesn't. I don't know if anybody really, except maybe Coverdale fans, give him enough credit for just putting all of his emotions into his singing. Like you remember when we were talking about. Um, maybe it was the California jam episode where like mm-hmm. when he was singing mistreated and you, you could tell he yeah. was just like, uh, by the way he was holding the microphone and he was just like the faces he was making. I mean, you could tell he gets into his performance, almost like uh like an actor getting ready to perform their lines or something. It's like he puts his himself in that mindset or in that, that frame of mind. And then he just like does his craft or whatever, which is like, and and a lot of times you can hear him like breathe like in between lines too like before he does something he'll you can hear like him like inhale or he'll like the thing is like when he does the like woos and stuff and that's stuff that might get or, cut out in the studio nowadays because you've got so yeah. much precision over every little thing you could just go in and oh let's get delete all the exhales and it it would lose a little something from that. No, that's that's what makes it for him. And I mean, I think it's almost like one of his trademarks, too, because like the later Whitesnake albums, when we get to him, like you can hear at the end of some songs, you know, he's just like you hear him breathing like, yeah, you know, almost <laughs> like he's out of breath. But just like that's that's conveying the emotion that he just put into whatever he's saying, whether it was a ballad or he just finished like belting it out or whatever. And you don't hear it as much like in the later 80s stuff, but. You know, in this early stuff, you definitely do. For sure. All right. What do you give time and again? Time and again, I'll gi- I give it a 4.5. All right. I give time and again a full five. I just think as a as a piece of songwriting. Wow. Just unbelievable. Not that we're far off at all, but um. <laughs> I think that that's one of my that's always been one of my standouts on this album. I don't know what it is about songs mm-hmm. like that that always jump out at me, like, you know, like this time around on Come Taste the Band or whatever. Just these songs that like break up an album a little bit where it's it's something a little bit more stripped down, simplistic, but yet just so well executed that just jumps out at me as being something really special. And that song I think is something really special. It's something I'm surprised you don't hear covers of daily um recently within the last few days um i i discovered when we were researching this album uh this this cover version of this song by jorgen broden who i hope i am pronouncing his name correctly and um as you know i i, I posted some stuff about it on on facebook and and twitter and everything i just kind of like he, he did this version of it which is just him on a piano and he even brings really good. He even brings in at the end the electric string thing on us. He, he labels it electric string thing, and he does. <laughs> he just you just see his finger holding the individual notes. Um, it, it was absolutely incredible this version of this. So I of course I posted it on Twitter, and I tagged uh, David Coverdale, and Coverdale responded um, to to Jorgen Broden. He said, "Excellent, JB, loved it, beautifully performed." XX. Um, to which uh, JB um, immediately lost his mind as, as he should um, because yeah. um, and he would, you know, we, so we've had a little bit of a back and forth on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and such. Um, 
he had, I think, three Twitter followers. Um, so he was and he hadn't posted anything in two years. So, I, of course, wow. I tagged him on Twitter. But um, guy does an incredible version of it. I'll, of course, put a link in the show notes because it's um, mm. out, absolutely outstanding. Uh, it was on par with the original for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh that and once again, not easy to do to just your vocal and piano and give it that kind of feel, just absolutely incredible. And to hear somebody do like a, a deep cut like that, like mm-hmm. modern day, like in 2020, to do that song and do such a great version of it is always like a thrill. It's a, it's it's on par with Coverdale doing his own deep cuts. Yeah, which has been great. Now I'm I'm like really jonesing for him to do time and again. <laughs> I want to hear him. I don't know if he, he's got a piano handy that he could quickly uh, bust out to do that, um, or maybe just do it on the guitar. I would love to hear him uh, perform yeah. that because it's so good. I feel like he's uh, uh, recently Coverdale has done uh, his his series of songs from the dining room table um, have been really good with just him and a guitar and he's really translated some of uh, his older songs really well. Oh yeah. Onto him. Absolutely. All right. You ready to flip this, uh, flip this platter over and hit side two here. Mm-hmm. I can find it here. There it is. All right. So we're flipping it over to side two and that opens up with queen of hearts. So far, it's been really kind of a mellow album. Yeah, the good. I love uh, how the very, guitar comes in here, though. When it, when it, but just a very, very like piano and keyboard heavy. Yeah. Almost sounds like Alan Spinner's slapping a little bit there. Yeah. so powerful those stabs of the guitar (laughs) (laughs) sounds like Moody is channeling a little bull in there with those slide work yeah Maybe he told Moody to play like Bolin. Yeah, maybe. Like, hey, listen. Listen. <laughs> Can you do that? Good. Yeah, it does sound like he's slapping the bass. Yeah. Never noticed that. I think he is.
Blind men. But in the lyrics, he says blind men. Like, it's all one word. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you make a blind man see. There's a lot of ambiguity with Coverdale as to what words are two words or one word. I've got to say, on these first two Coverdale solo albums, I'm really loving what Mickey Moody brings to them. Oh, yeah, he's always been a great player. Is this the first guitar solo on the album? Um, it, it featured anyway, I think, yeah. I mean, that's not kind of playing as like a counterpart to the melody or anything in the background, I think. I love albums of this time period where they're not afraid to not have a guitar solo. Yeah. Because that was such a a standard trope for so long. And don't get me wrong, I like a good guitar solo, but when you listen to an entire album and every song has to have a guitar solo, it sounds very formulaic. You know, I never really noticed before, but underneath the 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 rest of the the music and everything is like there's a like there's a piano playing kind of like, I guess, like doubling the parts, mm-hmm. kind of like adding a fullness. Did did you hear that? Yeah. Like when there little... was a part that kind of went and there was like the, the kind of like lower register piano kind of kicked in and like almost kind of gave it a give it a fullness. I, I don't know. I, I pick up on stuff like that. Cause that's, um, I know that famously that's what Bob Ezrin did, mm-hmm. um, on, um, uh, kisses destroyer album was like, if you hear like uh, Detroit rock city, when they go, you know, Donna, Donna, you know, they, he, like, they would do like a, like a, um, they go boom, boom with the piano under yeah. it to kind of give it like a thicker sound. So it's like, you would hear it and you'd be like, there's something else there, but I don't know what it is. That's a great technique. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of what I picked up on here, which I thought was kind of cool because instead of doing that, it kind of did like a little run, like no, 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 which um, I thought was pretty neat. Um, one one thing that I noticed about like the guitar on this album was is that it's like I feel like it's mixed. It's not a bad thing, but it's mixed very. 
it's not out front. It's kind of like part of the, the tapestry of the music. Yeah, I think the piano you know is I mean? really kind of stealing the show on this album so far. Yeah, like it's got a real kind of like like high end, you know, in the background type of mix. Like the the guitar is almost kind of part of the music. It doesn't really like even the guitar solo wasn't mixed up really high or like um like out front. Yeah. Um like as much as the piano was, which um definitely isn't a bad thing, but um it's I think it kind of fits the album, but it kind of keeps it at bay, you know, from turning into, I guess, a real like rock and album. Um, which again, isn't a bad thing. I mean, the, the whole, even this song was like very dramatic, mm-hmm. but um, it, it didn't really, it, I wouldn't consider it like a rocker. No, because you, you've got those, uh, da, 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 those little stabs that they're throwing in there that are really dramatic, like you said, but it doesn't, yeah, so far we haven't really had a rocker on this. Yeah. Like full on, yeah. Um mm. All right. So what do you say about Queen of Hearts? You know, I really I like this a lot better than I remember. Like I haven't like listened to this album in a little bit, but I always kind of thought that this was like I always felt in the past this was a throwaway track. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, eh, but Hearing it now, I like it a lot more than what I remembered. Um, there's a lot more to it, so I'm going to give it a four. Um, I really liked it. All right, I'm going to give it a three point five. I also really liked it, but I kind of see what you're saying. Like, I f- I feel like it's really good, and those I love those little stabs, like I was just talking about. But I, it doesn't feel like it goes to the same places that some of the other songs might go. Mm-hmm. Um, but. That being said, its place on the album and opening up a, a second side, I think it serves a great purpose and it's a really good song. Mm. Okay, so next up we've got the second track on the second side, Only My Soul. Nice little organ going on apparently there was no organ it's just a harp being played by Roger Glover there you go oh A really nice acoustic guitar part in there kind of shades of soldier of fortune yeah weird listening to this it's like i'm starting to get the sense that this is like almost like coverdale's experimental album yeah like he's like you know what i'm just gonna do like a whole album of like mellow songs like uncharacteristic of what he did up to this point even on white snake well he comes from that kind of bluesy bluesy sort of soul background and he's maybe after playing hard rock for (laughs) as long as he did he's like i'm tired of this i want to try something 
explore all these avenues I maybe couldn't explore as much as I wanted to with Blackmore. Yeah, but I never really, uh, I never really listened to it this critically and thought of it as, as like, oh, this is Coverdale's mellow album, like his album of like ballads or love songs or what have you. Oh, that's so good. He's got some good hooks in here too. Yeah. Just the instrumentation of that must be the doubling keyboards and guitar riff there. like a real Mark IV feel to it right here. Oh, yeah. Roger Glover doing a little keyboard solo. Oh, it might be Tim Hinckley. He said it does say keyboards. Yeah, that little... That's really Tommy Bolin-esque. Yeah. You know, it's really funny to think about Roger Glover being involved in this and producing it when they weren't in Deep Purple at the same time. Yeah, it's... But now they're working together post-Purple when they were never together in Purple. It is really cool, though, how they all did work together like that. Just a bunch of... uh a bunch of gentlemen who are awesome musicians and just <laughs> made some awesome music together. Incredible music and it, it doesn't seem like I mean there were some hard feelings that we talked about before but not really towards each other. They all they all kind of for the most part <laughs> kept it pretty civil and worked together really well. I love that hook. Na 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 na. Yeah, that that hook kind of reminds me a little bit of almost of like the Gypsy or something. It's it's got that same kind of mm, yeah. It captures that same kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, it had that um that really uh, Stormbringer. Mm-hmm. type vibes to it like mark mark three mark four a little bit which makes sense because i mean obviously he was part of writing it mm-hmm. but and that's another one that he wrote on his own like i said the only um songs that are co-written on this album are queen of hearts mm-hmm. keep on giving me love and then the final track breakdown So this is another one that I frequently thought of as like a throwaway track too. Um, just kind of being like, yeah, it's okay. But hearing it today, maybe it's listening to it after a while or hearing it in the headphones or just, you know, being super critical of it. Um, I like it a lot more than I remember. Um, so 
I gotta I gotta go with the four for this one too. Um, I'm kind of surprising myself. I'm just dishing out a lot of great ratings for this. Well, I mean, I was expecting it with uh, how well we rated White Snake. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting I always, like, North Winds to fare pretty well. Well, I always I always liked this album less than White Snake, but uh, yeah, you know, before. But maybe I don't know. Maybe now I'm kind of like it as much. I don't know. I think it's it's such a different. I mean, it's so similar in how it sounds and the production and the playing, but it's so different too. And that he's, like you said, being a little bit more experimental and such. So I feel like it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's so odd that it's it's so similar but so different. And I, I, but he was kind of going a little bit more out there on this one and try and taking some risks and being more experimental. And like mm-hmm. you said, kind of it's, it felt like it feels like on these two albums that he has, he just felt like, you know, screw it. I've, I feel like I have the freedom to do what I want to do. And that's what I'm exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to give this one a 4.5. Uh, really, really like that song and that just that whole riff that he keeps bringing. It's so simple, um, but it just adds so much to the song. And just, man, what I wouldn't give to be able to write, perform, or arrange and produce something that sounds like this. It's just so, mm. it's so good, so strong. Yeah. Um, Okay, next up, we've got the second to last song on the side and on the album. And this one is called Say You Love Me. Apparently, this song was rehearsed with Tommy Bolin. Yeah. And there's some recordings of the rehearsals, which I haven't heard. Wow. And this song brings back um, Simon Phillips on the drums from the White Snake album. Delisle Harper is playing the bass, who I, I believe was also on the White Snake album. And Delisle Harper, Alan Spenner, Mo Foster. It's just these great bass players just hanging around England in the 70s, killing yeah. it on everything that they did. It's almost like, like, you know, sometimes like, uh, 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 like maybe a solo artist will put out like, uh, like they'll do like a string of albums. It's one thing. And then they'll put out their, their love songs album or something like yeah. that. Yep. Or like, uh, you know, the Christmas album or something like the one off, like different album. I feel like that that's what this is. This is like, this is like Coverdale's like love album. <laughs> David Coverdale love songs. Love songs. A compilation of all of his love songs. They just happen to be on the same album. It's that's a really good observation. Like, seriously, like hearing like I'm hearing it that way for the first time, because if you think of everything else that he did, like it was like a a year or two later, he's doing White Snake, which is completely different than all of this. Yeah. 
and anything that he's done since. I mean, I know he had a solo album in 2000, but I'm not too familiar with. Yeah, I've, I've listened to it fairly recently. It's, it's good. I mean, it's nothing like these two albums, but it's very good. But listening to this song and staring at the album cover with the picture of him like floating in the swamp, it's just <laughs> it is weird. It's that it doesn't seem to make sense. It is, it does, but it also doesn't seem like it fits entirely. Well, the love song thing, I think they should have gone with my thing or our idea rather about the woman tearing up the photos. Yeah. For, yeah. For like for 40, 40 something odd years later, they should have gone with our idea. Yeah. Why didn't they do that? The idea why that we do that? that we just came up with live on the show as we recorded. <laughs> well, if time machines ever become a thing, well, so we're going to that's how I'm going to use my wish. It says something that kind of our only gripe about this album is the album cover. Everything else is great. Yeah, which I'm sure Coverdale didn't have much to do with the album cover. No. But I think they could have done better. <laughs> Very Beatles, Beatles-esque, uh, George Harrison style solo there for a second. Yeah. so funny it ends like musically if you didn't have that vocal ending it sounds like a like an ending of a pink floyd song but then you hear coverdale belting out over it and it sounds like coverdale <laughs> like like yeah. deep purple wow it's kind of a, kind of a it's kind of an abrupt ending to that song where it just kind of it gets very dramatic very quickly and ends on that dramatic note but i don't know what do you say about say you love me so this one didn't actually hit me the way the other ones did. I don't know if I'm like kind of getting fatigue from like the the piano songs or whatever, but it was good. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it wasn't I didn't feel it was as good as the other ones. It was missing a little bit of something, I think. So um, um, 3.5 for this one. Still a good song, but I feel like it's a little more on the average side. Like it doesn't really kick it up in my opinion, the way the other ones did. Yep, I agree 100%. That's our first agreement since the first song. But yeah, I say 3.5 as well. We haven't been far off at all in any of the other ones. But mm. um, yeah, I, I think it's a really solid song. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, though, I mean, the, the worst song on this album is still better than most other things. So <laughs> I mean, it's not, not a slight at all. The worst song on this album is better than any song I've ever written. Um, okay. Uh, so that takes us to the finale, and that's the last song, and this song is called Breakdown, and it's probably worth noting before we get into the song that this song was written about the breakup of Deep Purple. Oh. So Coverdale says about this, that this is the story of Deep Purple's demise, and Coverdale says, there's no way I could write a song with, about it without it sounding like purple. So going into it, consider that. He's saying this sounds like purple, and here it is, Breakdown. 
or kind of a Hammond sound. Yeah, the first rocker. Saved it for the end. Not to give too much away, though, it's funny because there's guitar, organ, bass, drums, and violin on this song. So. Oh. It'll be interesting to see. I don't remember there being a violin. Neither do I. I'm looking forward to hearing how it comes in. What is what is this song? It sounds like I, I can't, I can't. There's nothing, go, something going on here. What's the hell? Kex, the name of the song on Burn. What's going on here? Yeah, what's going on there here? You go. yeah. <laughs> there's something going on here. <laughs> <laughs> there's something going on here. <laughs> it's hard to think about it while I'm listening to this. But. Yeah. People don't say all oh, look out enough in music anymore. <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing all your gold and taking all your silver. I'm doing what I'm told. Good driving beat to this. Look out. Was there violin in there? There you go. There you go. It's like intentionally purple.
Yeah, but you know, they keep it really simple. Yeah. It doesn't go into really simple and melodic. It doesn't go into like a full on Bach fugue. It just kind of they just do, do <laughs> some like a few like repeating arpeggios and then move it on. Hearing this, it makes me wonder, like, what if Mark Four had put out another album? You know, what would this have sounded like if they played mm. this song with Mark Four's follow up album? It's not funky enough. No, <laughs> they would have. Oh, there's a violin, I think. Is that possible that they just brought the violin at the very end to close it out? If so, that's really weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I would salute oh. it. That's a cool. It's cool to do. Who knows? Little things like that, but. <laughs> but to have a credit is like violin by like one note by this guy. <laughs> it's a, in the last eight seconds of the song. Close it out. <laughs> All right. Breakdown. What do you think about breakdown? That's my violin, by the way. That's my my best violin impression. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's great. I can't imagine anything better. Mm, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Um, you know, this song didn't seem to fit on this album mm-hmm. like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's. I thought it was. I thought it was good, but. Um, you know what? I found that this one didn't really do it for me like the previous track either. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Yep. I was thinking I think, uh, the same. Yeah. yeah. It's like you were talking about, um, like, I, were you talking about something on White Snake? Like, you were just like uh, one of the songs. It's just a generic rocker mm-hmm. type thing. There's something you were saying. Um, what, uh, the, yeah. The song White Snake, right? Yeah, yeah, and I feel like this is the same too. Like he didn't really I think maybe Coverdale didn't hit his stride with the the rockers until they became he became White Snake. Mm-hmm. Um but this song doesn't really fit with anything else on the album. It's kind of like I almost feel like it's tacked on at the end. Uh because it's not the same style or anything. Um So yeah, to me, it's kind of like they they could have they could have ended on "Say You Love Me." Yeah, oh, and the, yeah, it would have been a really short album. It's still a pretty short album, mm. but I, it's got the same. It's funny because "Say You Love Me" is the song that has kind of a different lineup. It's got a different bass player, different drummer, um, mm-hmm. and then you go into this song, which is the same lineup from the rest of the album. And it's yeah, it's like you're getting guy. To me, it sounded like they were almost trying too hard to emulate Deep Purple in that one. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, like if you had just if you had just had Glenn Hughes there to switch off vocals, it would have kind of been uh, what's going on here. <laughs> it would have almost been the same song. And you know, every, after, after every line, I was expecting Richie to come in and go. Like, it, yeah, just. 
I mean, again, it, I, I like the song. Uh, it just like you said, it sounds like it's from another. It almost to me sounds like they had it left over from another session. Like, oh, remember that song we recorded last year? Let's tack that yeah. on the end of the of the of the song. It didn't. Yeah. Whereas everything else on the album seemed to really gel and be the same mm-hmm. general feel. Yeah. That one seemed tacked on. Yeah, that's that's how I feel, even if it wasn't. Um, it just didn't it didn't fit in with the mood and the vibe of the whole album like they like this this could have been saved for uh something else mm-hmm. like he could have been like okay this is my ballads album and then the next coverdale cd i do is going to be coverdale rocks <laughs> yeah coverdale a, rocks. a compilation of coverdale's most rocking hits <laughs> Well, I mean, that's eventually what White Snake became, I guess. But. <laughs> yeah, I guess for, for forty years. Yeah, but um, but yeah, but I, 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 not to take anything away from it, obviously, because like we were just saying, like Coverdale's worst song is better than anything we've ever written. So, of course, yeah. So, um, and and a lot of other people too. So, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a pretty, it's a decent song, but it's. I don't think it fits on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, um, you know, that's a, that's how it closed out. So nothing we can do about it. <laughs> Not at this point. All right. So where does that bring us for the album as a whole? Um, um, I, I don't know. Cause it's not in there yet. Not in there. It's not showing up yet. It's showing up for you? Uh, maybe it'll take a second to refresh. I'm seeing it. Not me. Hmm. I'll just shut it down and reopen it. Shut it down. Well, I can start by shut saying that John's... Oh. You got it? Yep, I got All it. Right. Well, I liked it slightly less than you. Slightly. Very slightly. Very slightly, but the the combined rating is um eight point one nine, um which is uh which is pretty pretty high up on our on our rankings. Oh yeah. Um. Well, let me see. Where's where the heck is White Snake? White Snake is episode. Oh wow, it's way up there. Eight point seven two White Snake. So we we definitely liked. Yeah, as I could have predicted the first Coverdale album more. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this is very similar to um, other, other albums. Let me see. El, uh, no, not, I'm sorry, not Elf. My bad. Green Bullfrog, very close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Medusa. Yep. Um, even, even the Butterfly Ball. Captain Beyond. The first one oh, actually, yeah, the first, which actually outranks it a teensy bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, but like you're talking about like slight uh, decimal points or whatever. Yeah, so, like, like, so I ranked Clear Ear Turbulence a little higher than this album and you ranked it a little lower than this album. Ah, and then. Um, yeah, well, overall, you know what it is, is like when you have. If you're com- like if you're comparing like Ian Gillen's solo to Coverdale solo, which is basically like White Snake, um, I 
prefer Coverdale mm-hmm. um, just because I think he's he's more straight ahead and that's more my style. Yeah. Um, whereas like even this being experimental, it's like Ian Gillen, like way more experimental in terms of like, you know, making up goofy lyrics and, you know, um, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just like listen to Cher Kazoo, like uh, Coverdale would never have done any of that on us. He would have taken part in it. I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. he would have like been like, yeah, I'll guest on that. I mean, like he did on Butterfly Ball, but I mean, he wouldn't have like conceived of like <laughs> a, a group of songs like that. It's just, I can just bring, bring, hello. Hey, it's Ian Gillen. Would you mind, Coverdale, would you mind playing the part of a talking porcupine on my new album? Absolutely, Ian. <laughs> of course, he wouldn't say no. How could I say no to that? <laughs> would, he, would, he, would he spearhead that kind of project? No. <laughs> but he'd show and up and he'd be like, he's giving the thumbs up to the audience and yeah, he'd be going saluting. Like this. <laughs> he'd be going like this. Like, <laughs> solo, solo cup in one hand or... Who knows what he was, you know, a little snifter of brandy. Um, but yeah, that's, um, I think that's the big difference between those, those guys as, um, as, as uh front men, yeah. as, um, you know, which is always what, like, you know, edged him out a little bit for me. Um, uh, Coverdale as a, as a singer and a songwriter is, is just, he's always been more straight ahead. Um, I've never really like, and, and that's not to say that I haven't loved some of Ian Gillen stuff, but the Ian Gillen band or Gillen or any of that stuff, I've really always liked the more straight ahead stuff. And then all the stuff with the, like the wacky lyrics and titles and stuff like that. It's never really been my thing. But if you ever read anything that Gillen's written, it's always very like, yeah, he like gets on, he, he, he inserts these little things, these little cheeky comments and things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like it. I, I love, I love it, but it's, it's always funny. And sometimes you could, yeah, sometimes you got to be in the mood for it. Whereas like Coverdale's always like kind of like straight ahead rock blues. Yeah. Uh, soul. Char- soul charm food. dialed up to a hundred. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. There is White Snake. No, North <laughs> Winds. <laughs> Sorry, you just wanted to say, wanted to say white snake white, so badly. S- white snake. Okay, so next up, we are going to talk about how this album was received. For all, first of all, there's there's two songs. If you've got this album, the special uh, bonus tracks, "Shame on the Devil" and "Sweet Mistreater." They were recorded between White Snake and North Winds, and then they kind of threw them on this. Um, as bonus tracks for the North Winds re-release, um, so we'll cover the we'll cover all the bonus tracks one day in an episode, I'm sure. Um, then there was a list that they found. As Simon Robinson mentions this in the liner notes, a list that they found of other songs that were not included, and the mas- master tapes were likely just lost. There were songs mm-hmm. called "Sunrise to Sunset," "Till the Sun Don't Shine." It would be nice and loves a crazy game. And unfortunately, it sounds like those are lost to history. Mm. Um, And Purple Records was coming to a close basically at about this time. And um, after the release of this album, Coverdale's contract moved to EMI. This album did not chart at all in the UK. And four tracks 
were used on the Snake Bite Double EP and billed as White Snake for the day as their kind of debut album. It's like the weird like White Snake's uh, birth just seems very weird and cloudy to me. It was just like yeah, Coverdale, Lefty Purple. There was this gap, and then he released these couple of albums, and then they did like a White Snake thing with half albums, half of the songs from this, and it. It it didn't it didn't just like form and boom here's our debut it just kind of eventually yeah. rose came into power or whatever yeah that um uh, I'm I'm sure that if we looked into it we could see what exactly happened but it wasn't as clear cut as you know he left White Snake and um, White Snake he left Deep Purple and and had a solo career or whatever and then put a band together it's it's almost like White Snake was manufactured or born out of necessity or born out of like other stuff going on. Like my, my feeling is probably the record company wanted to um, either, you know, market him as something new or he wanted to market himself as something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and it eventually, like you said, it just eventually kind of happened. Yep. I mean, I'm sure there was some planning involved, but like you said, it wasn't like they, they never had like a proper debut album. Yeah, because I think like Snakebite was the um, like you said, it was like a compilation of stuff. And then um, I can't remember what came after that, but then they had their first like real album. But by then it was like it wasn't considered the debut and it was just really weird. Yeah, it's hard to put your finger on exactly. There, There's no like doesn't seem to be like this exact date. Right. Like this is the but date that it happened. <clears throat> once the White Snake albums did start coming out as white snake proper they became a lot more um consistent yeah like then it just became the kind of like uh really early blues rock uh type of thing that coverdale wanted the, them to be known for and then it, you know progressed to the the harder sound of the 80s yep all right so then we've got um as far as reviews go uh, interesting. <laughs> one of the um, one of the reviews I found was actually on Discogs, and if you scroll down, like on any Discogs entry, and get to the bottom, there's like, you know, whatever people that look at the website and want to just put their own review. So, this is a review that was posted on March twenty seventh, twenty ten. And then edited three years later, so I don't know what was edited, but it's referencing the Northwinds LP, and he says, I sold this release for three pounds to my mate Martin, who added it to his enormous arsenal of seduction tools, which included a bookcase full of Jane Austen novels and a poster of a puppy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, which is great that's uh, just like ah hello lady come into my lair <laughs> i've got he puts on Wait, Nor- he puts on north winds and starts reading jane austen to her while she looks at the poster of a puppy what woman wouldn't fall for that amazing seduction oh yeah that's just a that's just a panty melting as as cocktail right there as chris from pot of thunder would say what woman wouldn't melt <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if she heard david coverdale's north winds so wait was that the whole review that's the whole review yeah that's that's it and it was 
and it was and that was edited <laughs> and I, I don't know i would love to know what he went three years later he went in and like no i'm not happy this, it's funny because it begins with like a lowercase i and all this stuff so it'd be it'd be great if he just like no there's something i just needed to and he's he misspells arsenal <laughs> a lot. so i you wonder forgot about the pub i forgot the puppy three I, years later I yeah forgot oh i forgot he, he was there's also a poster of a puppy this is really important <laughs> to let people know it's great um so we do have a review from uh sounds in 1978 from our friend jeff three stars barton and the interesting thing is jeff's three stars barton actually gives this album three and a half stars so that mm-hmm. is really gonna gonna say a lot so this is actually a really funny uh kind of article but he talks about um uh what does he say he talks about mistreated and it gave him the most opportunity to lay uh, lay back and concentrate on vocal subtleties. But then again, for every quiet, reflective, lilting moment, there were at least a half dozen full throated. I've been a booze. <laughs> he spells it all in capitals. Um, wow. So he talks about uh, talks about his first solo album. It says out of the eight tracks on the album, five are ballads. Uh, of one sort or another, uh, which is rather too big a proportion, at least as far as this writer is concerned. For sure, the singer, therefore, has ample opportunity to prove his all-round prowess. It's just that there's a definite dearth of really powerful singers in today's heavy rock bands, and on this day, there's none finer than David Coverdale. He's still got the ability, and it's just that he's using it more sparingly these days. In fact, it takes up until the last track of this album for him to truly break out of his, at times, over-sentimental shell and deliver. Break down the numbers called, uh, break down the numbers called, Coverdale's view of the last days of Deep Purple. And it's an honest-to-goodness killer diller. Musically seething with a sub-purple power, DC bellows out the vocals. So, um, didn't really stop us in our tracks, but as far as other songs on the album, but I see what he's saying. And uh, yeah, that's that. It sounds like a pretty fair assessment right there. I don't know if I would agree that the, the last track was, it sounded like he was like, yeah, the last track was the best, but that I think him talking about um, um, everything being overly sentimental. Like if you say it, I, I agree with that in, yep. a, in a positive light. Yep. Uh, because that's what the album was. Like I said, it was like, you know, Coverdale's uh, love love song album. Yep. Love songs album. <laughs> love songs by Coverdale. Then there's another album also from Sounds. Uh, another review, I'm sorry. This one's from 1982, so a bit later, um, a, few, a few years later. And this one's written by Robbie Millar. And it says, um, I guess this is probably in light of Whitesnake, actually, uh, coming about and says if the recent selection of white snake rumors is to be taken with anything less than a sack of salt this could be one of the last snake uh, snake records ever released ironically then that despite its varied lineup of famous face contributors simon phillips roger glover ronnie james dio plus aptly now solo bound mickey moody northwinds remains to many one of the first not exactly white snake album of course more an indication of how back in 78 Coverdale was set to move on from Deep Purple 
experiences and how thankfully he has improved on his ambitions because Northwinds really isn't anything to get excited about slow bluesy and thoroughly relaxed its main purpose appears to be one of self-gratification Coverdale surrounding himself with a load of like-minded mates and doing what he wanted buy it if you like shrug <laughs> such wonders whether Northwinds has been re-released at the request of Mr. C, or whether the move was a ploy by EMI to fill up the gap created by the delays affecting the next snake opus. What do you think? Maybe they'll dig out White Snake next. Still, addicts will no doubt see Northwinds as a useful collection uh, filler and content wise. It's a perfectly enjoyable record as long as one takes the time lag into account. In 1978, Jeff Barton described the LP as good, if a little restrained, and gave it three stars. I have nothing to add. Hey, he gave it three and a half stars. Hmm. But liar, <laughs> liar. Um, so, but um, there's there's one another thing in there that he got right too was um, he um he he uh, described it as relaxed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a that's a good way of slow bluesy and relaxed. Yep. Actually, I don't know if I heard too much bluesy in there, but definitely like a relaxed vibe of the album. Yep. All right. Well, there you have it. That's Northwinds, folks. It's our guy, DC. It's our guy, DC, delivering another solid solo album. And uh, we opened up the uh, episode with... David Coverdale on that French show. I wonder if we should, should we close it with that time and again cover? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, why not? All right, let's check out this time and again cover before we, before we close it out. There's a very similar voice to Coverdale, too, in this. It's amazing. And he's uh, Swedish, I believe. And he's singing with, like, absolutely no accent. Of course, anyone in a Scandinavian country just speaks perfect, flawless English. <laughs>
keyboard sound is the same too. It's that perfect, like almost identical, perfect electric piano. It brings in the electric string thing there. makes it look easy <laughs> that is just yeah. that is just not easy to to just just with so little behind you to just belt out a vocal performance like that man good on it you my friend really, really good yeah really excellent it, no wonder coverdale himself saw it and thought it was great yeah i mean it's just a crime that it took him that long to see it yeah and i'm glad that we could play some small part in bringing that to Coverdale's attention because mm. man, wow, jealous of that guy's talent. Unbelievable. Well, anyway, that's uh Northwinds. That's our Northwinds episode. And uh we'll be back at you next week with a top secret new thing to talk about. Which <laughs> which we know somehow I'm looking <laughs> I'm trying to look at my spreadsheet to see what it is. Which which it's so secret. Even I don't know it's what it so is. It's so secret. Even I for ah, now I see what it is. So yeah, so we'll have some, by this point, you should have heard some cool um, bonus episodes, quite a few, and uh, there's more on the way. So check mm. it out. All right. Thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you next week, my friend. All right. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. All right, give me one second. I'll do a little uh, ASMR.
This is me licking my lips. <laughs> Disgusting. 